Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I am your host, Katie Woodsick. This is episode 70 with Sasha Bailey. We talk about her two Seattle Fringe Festival shows, The Worry Machine and Dump, A Garbage Burlesque. The best place to get information about these two shows is on Facebook. They both perform four different times. If you're not on Facebook, that's okay. You can just hop over to seattlefringefestival.org and you can find all the information about Sasha's shows, but then also the other shows that are performing Seattle Fringe Festival. I encourage you to check out what local artists are doing. There's some pretty fun and sexy stuff. You can see the work of episode guests Eddie DeHaze, who's doing a rebound of the Mad Scientist Cabaret. You can see the Libertini's Uncle Siegel. Uh, Sarah Porkalob's Dragon Lady, I'm Gonna Kill You. That show is almost sold out, so if you're listening to this the day that this drops on uh, February 23rd, you're gonna want to get tickets today. I'm not even kidding. And then Unnecessary Sadness. If you want to see me tell a sad story, you can come and see the March 5th performance at 7.30. Thank you so much to episode guest Danielle Gregoire for inviting me to tell a story at Unnecessary Sadness. I'm very excited for that. Uh, What else? Oh, if you're listening to this before the weekend, there are still three performances left of The 39 Steps, where you can see me play 19 male roles. You heard that right? 19 male roles. Super fun show. I've been getting such amazing feedback. I would love it if you would come up. And guess what? If you're strapped on cash, you can just come to the Thursday, February 25th, pay-what-you-can performance, 7.30. So even if you just have a quarter or a buck, that's all you need. Uh, more information at tickets.wiccaonline.com. I think that's it, folks. Uh, please enjoy episode 70 with Sasha Bailey. I'm sitting here with writer, producer, performer, Sasha Bailey. Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. So we're going to talk about two shows specifically, both of which you wrote, Worry Machine and Dump, which will both be performing at the Seattle Fringe Festival at the end of this month. Let's start with the Worry Machine. What is is the Worry Machine? So the Worry Machine is this wonderful machine that only exists in one town, but it could be coming to your town soon. But um, it eats away all of your worries so you can live a carefree existence. It sounds fabulous, right? Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, um, we realize that we don't necessarily want to live in a world without worries, eventually. (laughs) Where did the show come from for you? So I I started working on it um, junior year at Cornish. I went to Cornish College of the Arts was really awesome and um, I started working on it the idea kind of came to me I suffer from anxiety pretty pretty badly and you know I sorry and I'm, so do we all I am I am shaking my head yes. because anxiety I deal with anxiety as well and it's been uh, been coming up pretty acutely lately yeah and I start to wonder I, I also started to feel like I, I was coming into my own realizing that that was what my problems were and also realizing that it wasn't just me. It was, like, everyone I know. 
has some form of anxiety and be it like large or small or like you know different variations of it but I was I was like everyone is anxious why are we so anxious and you know that was kind of like rolling around in my brain I walk a lot so I'm always like walking around and thinking and being like well what if what well people always talk about how bad anxiety is and how hard it is and I was kind of like well what if what would it be like if we lived in a world without worries so then I created the worry machine just to kind of explore. It was kind of, it was just a, a one act for a long time. And then when I got out of school for the past couple of years, I've been working on the second act, trying to, trying to figure out a, a more like finalized ending. Because before it kind of just ended with everyone deciding that they were dead and just being like, oh, we're all dead. That's great. And then the end, you know? <laughs> I was like, but maybe that's too easy. Maybe we don't all just get to die in the end. <laughs> so I saw on social media that instead of a cast necessarily, you're calling folks worry engineers. Or am I, do, I, yes. do I have that? Please well, correct me. That's what we were. People who support the show, I'm calling them worry engineers. Okay. So yeah. people who are yeah, financially who are supporting, supporting the show. The show. Right. Yeah. Which was another, like weird terrifying thing that I I this was the first time I've ever run a a fundraising campaign and I was just I was so like shocked and grateful for how many people were willing to support my art I've never I've always I've been self self producing for for several years and just kind of like it's been a labor of love and I'm always happy to like I've I'm just ready to take the take the loss of financially like no big deal it was an experience for me but this time around, it was just too big. So I was, I was like, well, I guess I'll give it a try. If it doesn't work out, you know, that's okay. I'll still front it because it was so important for me this time around to, to pay my artists, you know? And I feel like so many people, I mean, artists are so loving and giving and they're ready to do anything for free, but it's just like that matter of respect. I wanted to have it in this, in this iteration of The Worry Machine because it's, it's such a big thing now a big production at least bigger than other things I've done I think do you think that uh, part of being a modern performing artist now is having that uh, fundraising component and being willing to it sort of seems like it's in the fabric of being uh, an artist that creates generative work yeah it definitely is I mean I don't know how I would have been able to do this without without fundraising especially since I you know I kind of have two shows going on at once now and I was like I can't I can't front both of these shows right now you know tell me about your cast for the worry machine who's your team well I have the lovely Sam Burris and Sarah Port Peterson are directing they're co-directing oh, fantastic because um Sam also is in my burlesque troupe, A Little Burlesque, and we're doing this other show together, and we, we talked about it, and we were like, we don't think that we... She was like, I need a little bit of help here. And I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> so we took Sarah Peterson on. We both went to... We, both, we all went to Cornish. And then I also have Amy Philippi, who is a fabulous performer, also a burlesque performer, Sophie Franco, Drew, Crow, Drew, Drew Combs, Hannah Nielsen, Josh Sponberg, Stephen Tran, and Josh Lamb. Fantastic. All lovely people who, like, we're just ready to jump in feet first into this. Because we really like to work in a collaborative way. Even this time with the script, there are songs and um, 
we actually held auditions, which we don't usually do. Usually we just kind of gather from people we know, oh, she would be good. But we had auditions, and we found Stephen Tran through the audition process. Never met him before. He shows up and is just like, I saw, I love your play. I saw there was music. I, I can compose music. And we were like, oh, my God, this guy is awesome. And he sits down at the piano and is just like, what do you want to hear? Oh, my God. <laughs> and he just, like, rips out this amazing, like, piano just like everywhere and he's like oh i can also play defying gravity with my eyes closed and he like whips it out and we're like god where where has this guy been you know because like i have a loose idea i mean i am not a composer in any way and i i don't do musical theater and i just wrote these little songs that were kind of fun and he just kind of was ready to like just pick it up and run with it elevate it yeah that's amazing what what is your rehearsal hall like for this show? So we we did a lot of we've been focusing a lot on like viewpoint work. Oh, I love and, viewpoint. So much. <laughs> and we the Anne Bogart like yes. viewpointing. Yes. yes, yes. We patron saint Saint Anne Bogart. We love her, <laughs> right? Um, and Sarah and Sam really like to have an open open kind of rehearsal process where they come in with a loose idea. They come in with an activity, and then as they move forward into, like, um, blocking and things like that, they're they're really willing to open to actor suggestions. And I, as well as a writer, I I enter the room with the script, and I say, listen, if, if you ever feel weird, if these words don't fit in your mouth, I feel, feel, feel free to change them. Or if you're in the moment and you want to say something and it's not there, say what you want to say. You know, I've never been very like, you know, you messed up this sentence and there's a comma in there and I didn't hear that comma. <laughs> right. That's unbelievably generous. Do you find do you find that flexibility is sort of rewarding artistically? Like coming back like the folks that I mean you get what, what, what you folks get so come up many, with. Yeah. yeah, you get so many more ideas out of it. And I've always I've I've never directed my own work because I feel like you miss things. Oh yeah. And when you when you're working with some, such like talented artists and when you trust the artist, I feel like you can you can come up with so many more ideas and you can get so much deeper. Like it's always this thing where you're you're a playwright and you're sitting alone in your room and you're like furiously typing away <laughs> and and wondering if anything that you're writing is any, any, any good if you're just wasting your time and it's like that magical moment when you get to the table and you get to read with all your artists and you're like I might be okay and they're like you're really okay <laughs> but maybe you need this and maybe you need this and you're like yes I do I totally do yeah it's I've all, I never want to shut down anyone's idea because because there's always some merit, even if I don't agree with it. I, I find that, you know, you get deeper down and you're like, I totally didn't even think about that. I just missed it, you know? That that sounds so juicy and playful <laughs> and I love it. Uh, tell me, tell us, the dates <laughs> and the location of the Worry Machine performances. So the Worry Machine will be at Annex Theater. And the dates are a little bit confusing because it's fringe, right? So we're sharing the space with everyone. So pay attention. <laughs> so <laughs> we have Thursday, February 25th at 7.30. Saturday, February 27th at 5.30. Sunday, February 28th at 7. And Saturday, March 5th at 4 p.m. Fantastic. And tickets are available. How do folks get tickets? So they're using clicks for ticks. 
the Seattle Fringe Festival. So you can either go to the Seattle Fringe Festival's website, and you can find all the information there for all of the shows, or you can go to Facebook, The Worry Machine, the event, and there's the ticket link right there. You can just click on it, and it'll send you to The Worry Machine's specific ticket page. And tickets are all $10, which I think is fabulous because I think theater should be affordable for everyone, and even though I would prefer it to be free... Ten dollars is acceptable. Um, yeah, everyone should be able to. Everyone should be able to come and participate and yeah, feel things and be moved by theater. I absolutely agree with you. Um, before we transition into talking about dump, I want to talk about your writing process and how it transformed you, if it did, to sit and really sit with worry and be in worry yeah. while writing. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, Let's see. Where to begin at my worrying <laughs> career. <laughs> so a lot of times I, I do try to keep writing as my practice. It's something I do every day. I wake up in the morning, I make myself a cup of tea, and I sit. And even if I don't write anything, I sit for an hour. You know? And when I have, when I have a, a specific idea, like when the worry machine first began, when it was first percol- percolating, I was like... I need to write this all down now. It was one of those things. But then I usually like hit a wall around where intermission should be, mm-hmm. and that's where it becomes a labor, where it where the the practice really falls into place of like just an hour, write a page a day, or just sit there and feel bad for an hour that you're not writing. You know, it's part of it's just something that has to happen even when I'm not working on a specific show. I need to have that that hour and it's always in the morning I know I'm a freak because like I wake up at 7 (laughs) a.m to sit there and write and all my I I live with like four other people they wake up around 9 or 10 and I'm like there like at my desk staring and looking out the window (laughs) they don't understand they're like why are you up so early do you have to work today no I just gotta sit here and just do this right now (laughs) and are you writing long form or on a computer I'm always on a computer. I just, um, A of all, my handwriting is awful. <laughs> and I've tried to, I've tried, I have written a couple things long form. Like my short, when I write short stories, I usually do those long form because then in the process of bringing them to the computer, you can edit. Right. But with plays, the format is so important. You know, I just, I get lost in things. I can write ideas, and I've written scenes long form, but I've never written a whole play long form, even though I aspire, I, like, wish that I could be that person at the cafe with their notebook, (laughs) maybe smoking a cigarette, you know, or maybe a pipe, I'm maybe more distinguished, I don't know, something like that, but I'm I'm just not, I have to have my laptop to write, which I feel shackled to, but necessary. (laughs) What did spending all this time with worry... Did it affect you in a negative way? Did it did it make you think of worry in a different way? You know, I think it actually helped me kind of embrace it. And I go back and forth on this, depending on the month or my mood or if if I'm working. Like, when I'm working, I'm on top of the world, and this is great. But if I'm not, if I don't have a project, I'm kind of going nuts all the time. And I... But, you know, when I am in the in the depths of this project, it makes me wonder... I, I, I've been struggling with this question going back and forth, and most of my plays have a have a spine, have a question at the spine of the play, and it's like, 
what if what if worry is good for us? What if this anxiety that we feel isn't a bad thing, isn't something that needs to be medicated or taken care of, but what if we could all just recognize in ourselves that that, that we are worried and that's okay? Because I feel like most of the times my worry is like a worry of the worry, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's absolutely. like the logic brain says, why am I so worried? I don't need to be worried about these things. And then it quickly degrades into this, like, I'm, I'm stupid. I'm silly for worrying about these things. And then it becomes self-flagellating, you know? So, so when I'm writing this, it's, it's worry is an important part of my creative process. It would keep, it's what keeps me going. The worry that I'm not, that I'm not creating and that I'm not changing the world or whatever is, is something that keeps my artistic process moving. I'm nodding, which, dear listeners, I know that you can't hear, and you know I have a problem remembering that this isn't being videotaped sometimes. Uh, how do you, just because this is something that's really coming up for me lately, how do you, I've been trying to have a meditation practice lately, mm-hmm. which has been sort of helping me with my anxiety and therefore worry. What are some tactics that you use to sort of, when you get sort of riled up like that, if you yeah. don't mind sharing? No, of course. I mean, I have definitely tried meditation, and that is fabulous for people that can do it, but I cannot sit still for right. longer. We, um, In my other show, we have a process uh, with our every – before rehearsal, we do a warm-up, and part of that is a six-minute meditation, and it drives me nuts. I know everyone's thinking, that's probably why you should be doing it if it's driving <laughs> you nuts. But, I mean, really, my best way is just – my my best way of dealing with it is consistency and schedule and just knowing because once things start to kind of when I sit in front of the TV all day and watch TV I get depressed mm. and that's when the worry starts the worry starts when I'm not working so really for me it's to keep moving and to keep busy and to keep if I if I miss a, a writing morning a morning writing routine then everything kind of derails which I know is probably the not, not the best. I mean, exercise, of course, is a big deal. I walk a lot, and I do the yoga. <laughs> Love the yoga. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not always in control. And it does. It, it does get out of hand, and then it gets back in hand. It's kind of a cycle, a cyclical kind of thing that goes on. But the biggest part for me is keeping busy and working and creating and seeing art and participating in art because that's – when I'm not doing that, that's when the when the worry machine starts up. For me, that I, I can resonate with that statement because it's the art that keeps me sane. Yeah. People say, how do you do a day job? And then go to rehearsal for three hours at night. Because I hate not doing that. Like, yeah. that theater, in that rehearsal hall is like home. It's like church. It's like this mm-hmm. sacred place for me. It's not really, and for me, it's not really because... It's not because I want to, it's because I have to. Absolutely. There's no stopping. <laughs> Sometimes I like um my my partner isn't isn't in the theater, which God bless him for not being in the theater because I'll be like rolling on the re- around on the floor being like, what am I doing with my life? And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm look at him and I'm like, this is art. You don't know. This is art. And he's like, well, okay, you do what you need to do, but it just looks like you're rolling around on the floor. And then you're kind of like, oh, maybe I am just 
rolling around on the floor. What does that mean? <laughs> Let's dig into that. Let's, Let's dig into that. <laughs> this is art. This is art. <laughs> Let's talk about your other piece of art that's going to be at mm. Seattle Fringe Festival. Yeah, We were talking a little bit before we started recording, and you used the phrase garbage burlesque. Yeah, Which I think is, I want to write... 10 million poems about that. But uh, tell me things about this, please. Oh my gosh. It is a wondrous, filthy, garbage burlesque. It's narrative. So I wrote the script. And in that process, I, I write the script and then come, it's like in pieces. And I show it to the performers because I want to respect them as performers and artists that create their own burlesque pieces usually. So instead of it being like a cabaret, there's a narrative that kind of forms every little act together. But I bring them the script, and they take what they will from the script and then make a piece based on my kind of loose... I have characters, of course, but then I want them to really have the agency to create their own characters. So Dump basically takes place in the Seattle Dump, and there are all sorts of characters there... And due to all of the, kind of inspired by all of the construction on Capitol Hill, we find that uh, the recycling company is um, trying to gentrify the dump. Oh my god. And they're being kicked (laughs) out of their homes, and all of the garbage people are trying to fight, rage against the machine, and try and get their dump back. But it's this kind of thing, it's this kind of thing where... I was walking around 15th today, and there's a lot of, like, uh, proposed land use action signs up there and things like that, and it's, like, over a over a crack house or something, you know, a burnt-up half house, and I'm like, man, I really like that, that dirty crack house, but they... But they're going to make it into a condo, and I don't like the condo, but I guess it's nicer than the crack house. It's this kind of thing where it's, like... These people want to make something nicer out of the dump, but we we are the garbage people, and we live in the garbage, and we love it. So why don't we relish in it a little bit? Oh, I just love your, I mean, having talked to you for all of 20 minutes, but yeah. your aesthetic about uh, just really digging into things that have been maybe culturally judged as unpleasant and yes. and exploring and celebrating I, them. I don't like to make anything easy ever for myself. <laughs> So I'm like, yeah, it's the question the question there is uh, is gentrification really that bad and when does it go too far and when is it helping? It's kind of that really gray area there of this is our home and we love it, but I mean it is kind of a trash heap. <laughs> but it's our it's our trash, trash heap. <laughs> so who is performing in dump? So let me get my little names up here. I have um, Matt Awayo is my fabulous director and also my roommate. So it sounds like <laughs> I'm playing favorites here, doesn't it? And then Sydney Tucker will be playing Tepid Jin, <laughs> who um, doesn't leave the bathtub for the entire performance. We have uh, Cheeky Diamonds will be playing Digna Cheese. <laughs> Honey Bee will be playing Sandy Crevices. <laughs> Lil Tigre will be making a, uh, a appearance as Freddy, the garbage person. Penelope Pearl will be Choni Zucchini. And then I will be 
this is kind of a, an inception kind of thing. My burlesque character, Sally Savant, and also Sam Burris, whose burlesque character name is Wixie Bourbon, we will be playing the Ambrosia sisters, who are two sisters that are unfortunate. They are melted together in unfortunate accidents, so they are Siamese twins. Wow. Yes, yes. It's, it's a torrid tale. I'm going to crawl inside your brain and I mean that in the best and least creepy way. Did you write this piece with specific performers in mind? So I, I work with, I'm a, I'm a member of A Little Burlesque, which is a burlesque troupe. So we usually, we've done one other narrative burlesque performance called Moonlight Curiosities. The Ambrosias were also, <laughs> the Ambrosia sisters were also in that because it was kind of a circus Theme, and we wanted to kind of have a an origin story for the Ambrosias, but then we were kind of having, you know, we're kind of in that point in our lives where we realize that we are just garbage people, <laughs> and we're and instead of like trying to stray away from that, we're just embracing it. And there was this kind of running joke that we're garbage people, and I, I kind of jumped off of that, and um, I wanted to do another narrative burlesque because I can kind of whip them out really fast. The worry machine took five years to write, and dump took three months to write. You okay. know, it was kind of like it's kind of a an easier thing to put together because it's fun and weird. But I so I usually write for my company members. But then there were a couple roles that, that needed to be filled from, from outside people. I usually like to leave that open because I want to include other people. We have a, such a fabulous burlesque community yes. just in Seattle. So I try and leave a couple of roles open and we approach people to kind of... It is kind of a wild ride because usually when you're a burlesque performer, you're doing like a cabaret. And you show up with your piece already done, you tech that day, and you do the show that night. So it is a little bit of a different rehearsal process. So we, we approach burlesque performers as well as actors for this kind of thing. We have one, um, Emily Feliciano is, is going to be in Dump, and she is an actor. And she, she was ready to dive in with us with the whole burlesque angle, but she's like, I don't know what you guys want me to do. I'm ready to do anything, but you got to help me out with this burlesque routine, which we were totally, all of us, you know, have quite a bit of experience in both sectors. So it's really great to be able to have that, that language, to be able to communicate, you know, what we need. Absolutely. Where, where does uh, Dump perform and when? It is also at Annex. And you know, if you want to have like a Sasha Bailey extravaganza, you could see the worry machine and Dump in one night. So Dump opens on February 27th at 7.30. It also plays February 28th at 5.30, March 3rd at 9 p.m., Late night show for you folks that like to be late night. And we also have uh, sh the final show is on the 5th of March at 7.30. The Worry Machine is also on March 5th, if you would like to see both in one night. Okay, let's dig into this a little more. Curate yes. someone's evening. If they're saying, I want to see both The Worry Machine <clears throat> and Dump, where are they getting, where are they getting food Yes. I mean, like, what, what is that experience that I you mean, would want to curate for them You that know, day? there are a lot of options. Yes. There are a lot of options on Capitol Hill. I would say it depends on how, like, low class you want to be. And I'm not saying that there's not a high class option in this situation, all right? So, like, if it were me, I would say you roll in on the bus, maybe the 49, maybe the 8, depending on where you're coming from. Maybe you could take that trolley. I took that trolley here, and it was great. 
up on um on Broadway in East Pine, it drops you off there, and you can just walk straight up to Annex. But I would say you need to stop by Hot Mama's Pizza okay. and get a slice of pizza, and then walk over to Pine Street Market, get yourself a tall boy in a paper bag, and then eat the pizza and drink the tall boy on your way up to Annex. And don't worry, you're done with the tall boy outside of Annex, you walk on up those stairs, you get another PBR right there, baby. It's done. Evening complete. You see the worry machine at 4 p.m. on, say you want to go on Saturday, March 5th, closing, right? We'll have a party afterwards. So you show up, you roll in at 4 with your afternoon beer. You see the worry machine, take a little break. Maybe you want to go over to uh, Sam's. Sure. You know, get some dinners. <sighs> Bloody Mary with you a cheeseburger get that on Bloody it. Bloody Mary with a cheeseburger. You could totally do that. You could go down to Lost Lake if you want a happy hour burger. Poutine. Poutine. And then come on back. Another PBR. Or maybe they also have the... So I'm I'm partial to champagne. They have the champagne, the J. Roger champagne in the tiny bottles. And if you know the right people, they'll let you drink it right out of the bottle. <laughs> That's amazing. the way to go. Don't let it. them pour it in a glass. Drink it out of the bottle because right it's a twist bottle. off. So you can keep the cap... Twist it on so then when you're flailing around because you're having such a great time, you don't spill your champagne. I love the thought and detail There's that a you lot, put into you that know, answer. You really, you really <clears throat> need to get, you need to curate that evening. <laughs> <laughs> what is the ideal number of PBRs that one has consumed in this evening if they see both shows? So, so I would say you only need around two PBRs for okay. the Worry Machine. It's a, it's a classier event. You know, we've got performers going on. They're work. They're pouring their hearts out. Sure. I'm there, anxiously in the back, like nervously Wor- moving and worrying my hands and drinking too many champagnes. So you got two. You got two at the Worry Machine. Go get a drink in between, and then for dump, I think you might need around five. Okay. You know, so we're talking seven PBRs I'm total. Seven total, maybe. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's a long evening. Also, gotta say, water in between each one. It's an absolute necessity. It's very serious to keep yourself hydrated. So <laughs> I'm glad we've had this talk. <laughs> I know you didn't know how important it was to drink water. It's always but I'm good to you're remember. gonna have a great evening if you have PBR, water, PBR, water, champagne, champagne, champagne. Whoops, I lost track. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about how you got involved with burlesque and what that trajectory has been like for you. Because I think, and especially in Seattle with this community, it's not uncommon for maybe classically trained actors Mm -hmm. or performers to sort of want to have um, a more, something that over which they have more creative control. Yeah. And and burlesque is lovely in that sense of, of having smaller pieces that don't rely on a whole team and a rehearsal mm-hmm. hall and all that. Yeah, and it is one of those things. As soon as I got out of school, I I was writing, writing, writing because I needed to keep doing something because I went to Cornish, which is a really intense program, 12-hour days. You're just wow. there and you're creating the... I did the original works program, so you're creating a new play and a new short directing scene every week. Oh my gosh. So it's crazy, right? And it was wonderful. But then I got out of school and I was like, well, what what do I do now? What 
what's going to keep this force moving. So I was writing a lot, and I had some friends just out of school that, that had created this little troupe called A Little Burlesque, which they were, they were all my friends, and they seemed like they were having a good time, and they were making work, which was different because I, I felt really lost as a playwright because I didn't have... Not a lot of my friends were just playwrights out of school, and not that I'm just a playwright. I, I direct as well, but it's hard to get a job as a director, as a young person, a young woman. It's difficult. And um, they were they were producing work, a little burlesque, and they were my friends, and they were having a good time and drinking mimosas. So I kind of was like, hey, guys, can I, can I hang out with you? <laughs> and they were like, of course. So I did pick up with them for a while, for a couple of shows, and they were just doing the standard cabaret but as a writer, I wanted to, because I wasn't strictly, like, a burlesque performer. Like, I wasn't doing my own routines or anything. I was just having fun, getting dressed up, and doing pickup. But I kind of started to be, like... What does pickup mean? Oh, what does yes. That mean? So, <laughs> it's called, you're, like, a stage kitten, and a pick, okay. the pickup artist... After people have pick flung up their, their clothes. clothing Yeah, off. you get to wear okay. a cute outfit and, like, show your butt as you pick up people's <laughs> clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great pickup artist, let me tell you. Hey-o. But um, I kind of approached them after their, their last cabaret show oh, about a year and a half ago. I said, hey, I have this idea to actually m- write a play for you guys. And I would write all the parts for you, and it would be this kind of circus sideshow burlesque. And they were like, we love that idea. And then somehow I ended up in it, and then I was performing, so... So I was kind of like, I realized that when, you, when you're on your own, you have to create your own work. You can't just sit around and wait for someone to give you a job. Unlike college where they're like, hey, do this. Otherwise, you won't get a grade on it. So as soon as you get out of school, you're like, I need something to do. And they were producing work. And they were producing original, creative work that I didn't have to be like, beholden to someone else's ideas right. I could have my own ideas which which was fabulous in what I wanted I've assistant directed a lot so many times I I think I've assistant directed like as soon as I got out of school in the first like three years I assistant directed six shows wow and it started to be like I'm not getting paid for this right none of these are my own ideas I just sit in this chair and take someone else's notes which was fun, it was alright, but I wasn't really making anything of my own. And I was kind of like, if I'm going to make zero dollars, I'm going to do something that I want to do, rather than someone else's vision. That's, that's important, I think, to make that... Yeah. Realize that about yourself. I mean, was there a certain moment, or was it just the amalgamation of all those experiences? Yeah, well... It was kind of, it was after my last, my last assistant directing gig was 60 hour weeks. It was, it was six days of 10 hour rehearsals for no money. I couldn't work another job and I was just sad all the time and like angry, like I was angry, sad all the time because all of my other friends are actors. So they're going on auditions. They're getting shows. They're booking gigs. They're even even just the simple fact of them going out. They they like have to go 
do a reading or even just the little things, it felt like even though I was writing every day and I was sitting down and I had that practice, it didn't feel like I was doing anything because there was no, I don't know, proof or <laughs> I don't even know what it what you would call it. There was no evidence of me creating except for, for myself, which is important to create for yourself. Don't get me wrong, of course, but there was no... Part of art is to share with people and to... and I. And my art, especially, I write to try and evoke change and, and evoke, let people see something of themselves they didn't see before or didn't think about before. But that was all just getting pent up in my tiny apartment on my laptop. So I kind of, anyone that is creating work, I kind of, kind of move to. I'm like, you're making things and I want to make things and let's make things. What advice do you have for folks that maybe are feeling that same frustration and they want to create more of their own work. What I, I think that's yeah. more asking you for um, your advice as a, produ- as a producer, but yeah. also as, as a generative artist, if folks get stuck, what advice do you have for them? Well, my first, I think thinking now, my first realization, realization, I was assistant directing for Kurt Beatty at ACT. And I had, I had expressed like, I feel like I'm not doing anything and I don't, I'm not going to get directing jobs as like a whatever I was back then, 22 or 22-year-old. I'm not going to get jobs being a 22-year-old young director. And he said, well, just make plays in your living room and invite your friends. And I did that for two years. I, I created a company called The Living Room Project, and my friends and I got together. We did a reading of The Worry Machine. That's where the first, the very first like official reading of The Worry Machine happened and where I kind of realized I can do this. And, you know, we would write our own plays. We would cast them, direct them, pay our actors in beer, and say, come to my house. We're doing a play. It's free. And you just have to pay for beer. I mean, and we were always happy. We broke even. I mean, we didn't make any money from it, and we couldn't pay the actors, which always broke my heart. But they didn't, you know, it was just like, we want to work. How are we going to, we got to make our work for ourselves. So, I mean... I would say you can rent a space, you can pay for TPS, you can spend a bunch of money doing it. If you have the money, do that. But you know, if you are just starting out and you want something to do and you need to create and share with your friends, just do it in your living room. That's all it takes. Make a Facebook event, invite all your friends, and have them invite your friends. Apologize to your neighbors. Even what I did was it just invited them over. I said, listen, I'm doing a show tonight. And I mean, we definitely had it. The police called on us a couple times. But usually they're understanding. I mean, actually, they've always been understanding. I say, listen, we're doing a play. It's not that late. Please just let us finish the second act. And they're always like, yeah, sorry, we just had to come because of the noise complaint. But, you know, I get noise complaints just from hanging out in my apartment when it's just, like, me and Sydney Tucker, my best friend, we're, like, and also she, like, helps me produce and she's my goddess. But, like, just me and Sydney talking in my apartment, we get noise complaints. So I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I think sometimes we do get tied down to the thought of, oh, theater can only happen in a theater where I've gone to see theater. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, and for sure. And the that, idea of unconventional, unconventional spaces or free spaces or yeah. church basements or whatever, just 
get the work out there. Get it done. Yeah. I mean, I just you you just feel trapped when you're like, well, why isn't someone asking me to do this? And why can't I? I want to do like say you want to do the three sisters. You've always wanted to do the three sisters. Chekhov. You know, just do it. Or you know what? Just have people come over and read it in your house. Have some snacks and some beers. It'll be a great time. You don't need all that other stuff. And maybe it'll turn into something and maybe it won't, but at least you can say you had that experience of being that character, of feeling those emotions. And I guarantee it, you, at least 20 of your friends will come and watch it. Which for me is a big audience. <laughs> <laughs> those were some finger guns that just happened. Yeah, I know, someone should narrate narrate our, uh, our gestures yeah. and, and facial expressions. That would be an interesting um, audio experiment. Uh, where do you want to go next with your work? What's, what's in the hopper? What, what spines do you want to explore next? Yeah, um, it's kind of going a lot of ways. Like you said that, and my brain kind of went in all directions. I have been really thinking about touring shows because a lot of the burlesque shows that are at the narrative burlesques have um, little spots for guest performers. So I would love to tour, like maybe to Portland and Vancouver, and just ask around, anybody want to want to be in this show to get some of the local talent in is really what I want to do. I'm also working on a new long-form play called The Creativity Disorder, which is uh, an exploration of mental illness mm. and... Um, and whether, actually in the play, the government decides that creativity is a mental illness that needs, that is uh, something you can catch and something that affects the rest of the people. So two of the characters get, like, put quarantined in this creative disillusionment. But, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Lots of crazy stuff going on. But, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Well... We're sort of wrapping down our time. Wrapping down? That's not that a word. Works. That works. That works. We are We're coming down, wrapping up, going side to side. <laughs> Every direction. Jazz stepping. Have we... What What else do you want to say on this podcast before we're done? Have we... Are you able to give us a taste of either one of the shows? Like... <laughs> I, I don't... I don't have a whole lot... And ways of being able to perform the script because we need those lovely actors Absolutely. to do that today. But I can say that I really want everyone to know that you don't need all sorts of fancy equipment or fancy spaces to create art. You just need to, to go out and do it and invite those friends over to your living room, order a pizza, read a play, and... Just don't worry about what other people deem as art. You need to figure out what art is for yourself, and you need to tell your own truth. That is a beautiful note to end this podcast on. All right, folks, go visit Seattle Fringe Festival's website, <coughs> .org, I think it is. I believe it it's is. It's going to be in the episode description in case I screw <laughs> that up right now. You're going to see all the amazing shows, but... Uh, specifically, you're going to want to check out The Worry Machine and Dump. Find yes. the Facebook events or find them on the site. Get your tickets only $10. Support new local work, folks, okay? Yes, please. Sasha, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.